right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday. We got episode 20. We got a little guest here, Breezy Brian Gregg, running for Edmonton mayor. We got him on the show first to respond, first to be here. I love the fact that, Brian, when I called you, you answered the phone. I was expecting secretary, someone working for you. I get Brian right on the phone. He starts saying things about Edmonton that really clicked, and uh, he agreed to come on. So, uh being brave, awesome, love it, and uh, hopefully we'll figure out a few, uh, you know, policy things here. Uh, welcome, welcome aboard. <laughs> Thanks very much, Evan. Thanks uh, both of you and Tristan for uh, having me on the show. Uh, I really uh, appreciate having this opportunity to uh, talk with you and and to share uh, share our ideas with your listeners. Absolutely, awesome. yeah. So uh, you know, I know Tristan's got a lot of questions for you, just kind of off the hop. <laughs> Uh, the one thing I just kind of wanted to uh, start the podcast with is, uh, you know, we were kind of chatting with, about it before here. Uh, you've been out of politics a little while. Uh, what what made you want to get back into the uh, Edmonton ring here and uh, put your name back in the hat? Put your hat back in the ring, I should say. <laughs> well, I guess the, the real tipping point was uh, uh, the fact that Don Iverson decided to, uh, not to run again. So I felt that there was an opening uh, that I wanted to fill, and I, I felt like uh, we needed a change. We need a different kind of politics. Uh, uh, we're in a, an emergency situation uh, with the climate emergency, and mm-hmm. we need an emergency response. And the kind of government that we've been having just seems like so slow mm-hmm. in reacting to the emergency. Like in an emergency, there's two things that are important. One is to be quick mm-hmm. in your response. The other is to be very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's what I want to try to try to to bring that kind of a an attitude towards uh, our civic government. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. I think <laughs> that's that's definitely one of the things that jumped off the page because uh, it was not on our last episode, but perhaps the episode before that where we were going through the candidates, and that was what jumped off the page with you was just very obviously caring about the people first. I know there was a lot of most of the candidates seemed to be talking business first and. The more structure in this one, this area or another, and yours were very much talking about the issues that seem to be at the forefront of everyone's minds right now, um, which is awesome and it's nice to see. Uh, but yeah, do you have any uh, what for the people who don't know you? What would you say would be your primary concerns uh, going into office? Well, my my first concern is to get the big money out of our politics because it just distorts everything. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And uh, uh, it, it's 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 uh, blocking proper communication in our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you have oh, an yeah, idea? Because I'm always curious. We like to talk about like what we would want to do. I think it's more interesting now to have someone who's kind of on the inside of it. Do you have an idea of how you'd go about doing that? Well. My first step is to win this election. Yeah, yep. uh, uh, to demonstrate that uh, a person can, just an ordinary citizen, can can can, uh, can win an election without big money. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, yeah, that's that's the first step. But along the road, I hope I hope to uh, get across the idea that there's two there's two branches to our communication system. Mm-hmm. There's there's one industry that creates content like this. This this is what we're doing right now. We're yeah. creating media content, yep. but so do like newscasts, movies, books, 
uh, it, the, and there's an ever-growing library of content. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. there's this industry that produces, always producing reporters, actors, writers, painters, the people, people that make the content. Mm-hmm. Then there's a whole other industry which gives access to that to, to that content. And actually, like libraries are the, are the prime example of that, the traditional example. A public library gives access to content, yeah. but in in our modern world, uh, it's it's pretty well uh, a private sector uh, businesses that are that are being our content access services. Like uh, the big ones today are like Google and their YouTube, Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, Instagram. That goes on. There's a list of these giant, mostly foreign corporations that yeah. are giving us access. To the content, they're yeah. they're the 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 way to get to the content that we want. Yeah, yeah. and the problem is that uh, for the most part, they financed uh, this service by uh, serving advertising to the audience that's that's trying to access the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this creates like a whole another economy or a whole another industry, the 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 advertising industry. Yeah. Uh, which is only available to rich people. Like poor people cannot buy ads and try to push their their uh, ideology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's rich people difficult. can. So, well, yeah, you need to spend a lot of money to to get out there. Yeah. 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 So, so the the whole thing is like absolutely undemocratic. Yeah. And if we want to have a democracy, how can we do it when we don't publicly fund a, a content access service? Oh yeah, exactly. And, and and my idea is like the the perfect vehicle f- for having a public content act service is the public library. All we really need to do is massively fund our public libraries so mm-hmm. they can do what Google does, so they can search on the internet without any any bias, without and without uh, serving advertising at you, so that they can give you access to all the content, so people can upload their videos or their podcasts. To the public library, there they can be accessed. But also, this service has to support the content access and I mean the the, the content production industry mm-hmm. yeah. by paying uh, the producers, the copyright holders, based on the use of their material. Like it, it's a it's a, a robot's job. I mean, like when you when you go to Google or you go to Facebook, you're connecting to a robot. Yeah, and. And that ro- that and that robot like drives you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, I feel like if if we had a public service, when you connected to that robot, it would automatically uh, start paying whoever you whose content you are accessing. And it, 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 it's just a mach- job for a machine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very simple job. And then important. What I envision as like a really important. Uh, uh, sort of control. We were talking about controller. Yeah, uh, is to to give the audience person, like the, the user, a manual option to reverse that payment that they've triggered. They, they when, by using the content, they trigger a payment to whoever owns the content. Mm-hmm. But the, the user should have the opportunity to say, "Hey, that stuff is inappropriate, or that stuff is unworthy, and I don't see why." Our our public service should be paying for it. So I'm pushing my manual cl- clawback reversing of payment button mm-hmm. and disgust. Here I am. I'm expressing my disgust and how. So this this provision like will really really discourage 
those who who may want to profit from deception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. kind of like uh, almost okay, yeah. building a retail model onto a digital platform. So like where you can have like a return policy built into it and based off of either the product not meeting your standards or something like that. Okay, yeah. That's that really interesting because you're absolutely right. There are a considerable amount of artists out there or producers out there that make absolutely nothing. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, it, when we take that transaction by time, uh, which is how every industry's worked since we started paying people and moved away from serfdom, you know, that's uh, that's that's a really interesting policy. I, I think that's it would be uh, difficult, I think, to kind of start, but with the proper investment, uh, where do you kind of see that revenue coming from? Like what what's uh, obviously you're, you're talking about a lot of social programs and your policy. I want to get kind of into that in a sec. But I think as the right wing guy here, uh, I kind of got to ask, like, who are you planning on getting this, this money from? You said the elites. Uh, but who specifically? Like, is there anyone on your list? Is there any group on your list that you're going to be, you know, uh, <clears throat> looking at more as okay? We got to start or tax these people higher. Like, what's kind of your uh, what's kind of your plan with respect to that? Okay, well, in Canada, that right now it's it's uh, the, like the the advertising funded access services are like about a $14 billion industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what people don't realize, because uh, they're not geeks like me or maybe you, <laughs> that, that that money, that $14 billion is coming out of consumers' pockets. Yeah. Going right to the it's, Cayman Islands. They're it's, not it's, 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 it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's not easily easy to see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like it's not easy to see that there's photosynthesis going on inside that plant's leaf over there. Mm. It's not easy to see that... that all this advertising that we're exposed to constantly is inflating the price of everything that we buy. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if you so you, you can say, "Oh, I, I'm not affected by advertising." Like I, I just don't pay attention to it. But I'm sorry, if enough people pay attention to it, that it's going to raise the price of your bottle of beer. It's going to yeah. raise the price of of uh, uh, your tomatoes. That your phone bill, mm-hmm. it's going to raise the price of everything because it creates a false demand. It makes people want. Uh, uh, it's just like, look at we're four guys, right? We, mm. we know if we see a beautiful woman down walking down the street, what goes through our minds, right? Yeah, and <laughs> sure, that, that's the way we are. You know, yeah, yeah. it's advertising, and and it affects us, right? So what you're saying is like, if Coca Cola didn't do advertising, they might be able to sell their bottles of Coke for less because they don't have to pay for so much advertising, and you probably want it less because of the lack of advertising, kind of. Well, that, that's part of it, but I, th- I, I think that, that, that's, that more than the... Than the um, well, I guess yeah, I, you're right. Like, because the demand is up, they, they create this false demand. Mm-hmm. It's not a real demand. Uh, the price goes up. Yeah. And... And it seems and, like artificial inflation kind of baked into it, right? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was just kind of thinking of there. Yeah, mm. and and I mean, like, don't people wonder, like, where where do the where do these big corporations, like the media corporations, like uh, access corporations, like Facebook and Google, like, where's the where's their profits coming from? Yeah. Like, where does that like? Okay, it comes from advertising. You know how the advertisers get the money. Where's it coming from? It's all coming 
out of our pockets. Well, yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. it's uh, yeah. anybody that says Facebook is a free service. I mean, you just kind of laugh. It's like you're the product if something's yeah. free. I think you're you worth know? about eleven bucks or something. That was a there was a doc done on that on Facebook that the average uh, user's uh, content is worth eleven dollars to Facebook in terms of like per person for in terms of re- ad revenue. And we actually were asked that question in school, like. Would you rather just pay 11 bucks and never see an ad again? Not hmm. having any algorithm yeah. in there. But we're not given that option. And I think if we were to add that button alongside your, you know, return it button as well, that would be a huge benefit to all <laughs> of social media. Yeah, you know what? I'll just pay for it. Opt out of the service. I don't want your yeah. ads. Yeah, the, get rid of them. Yeah, the pay the pay thing is 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 one way around it, but it also has its drawbacks because Yeah. That means that poor people can't access the best That's very true. I was just going to say from yeah. the and left, that was a very interesting thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> because it's of how cheap it, it mean, was, I totally get like, yeah, if, it, if there's upward scalability, yeah. that would yeah. make that not possible. But yeah. Like, isn't there YouTube red already and you can just pay and you get YouTube with no ads? Yeah, YouTube so, premium. So, yeah. But yeah. poor people can't do that. No, that's so, true. Uh, it, like, it's hard on, on uh, to have a democracy when poor people, you know, don't have equal access to uh, the information that we need to make a good decision when we're voting. Well, yeah, I think one of the most stark ones I saw recently was uh, they put a list of the five most uh, most, um, searched news stations or news uh, news generators or producers or providers or whatever in the United States. And uh, in order, it went the... um, the New York Times or New York Post, I think it was New York Times, mm-hmm. uh, the Washington Post, yeah. uh, Fox News. Yeah. Um, Owned by conglomerates. And, yeah. Washington, and, uh, I think the Wall Street Journal as well. And then MSNBC. Yeah. And so then it just showed which ones have paywalls. And so it blacked Boom. out all the paywalls. So you end up on Fox News or yeah. you end up on MSNBC, both oh, extremes of one side or the other, right? Yeah, it's exactly the problem. And, you know, I was, I was in the hotel in Calgary last week and, uh, you know, I was just eating some uh, nice uh, vegetarian pizza uh and uh fox news was on i was watching hannity just because it was on and uh just just oh it's entertaining (laughs) but that's the thing i mean it's it's not news i mean they had uh they had marco rubio and i think the uh the uh, governor as well uh sitting with uh, hannity and they were asking all these cubans uh had a whole like probably thousands of cubans uh around this restaurant in this restaurant they were filming this and they were like oh what are the republicans going to do well there's all these uh waves of immigrants coming up from the south but you know if someone comes up from cuba they're sending them back in the boat and i'm sitting there like republicans don't give a fuck about cubans i'm sorry like any cuban that's standing there thinking that the republicans are gonna make any difference i mean you're, you're laughing i mean they were separating families down there and everything but you know this is very topical because this is kind of how the media works it's it, yeah. it's not so much what your views and your opinions and your values are it's what are the hot buttons in society and how can and I kind of capitalize on that division to get more voters. Don't you think but that, that just creates more division? Well, and don't you think that that's actually almost a symptom of what Brian was talking about, mm-hmm. though? Because those news, the news companies that are uh, like the writers, for example, I wouldn't say journalists are necessarily crooked by any stretch of the imagination, but they're forced to play into ad revenue now because they're not getting paid for their content unless it gets clicks. Yeah. So. They, they have to do clickbait stuff, and so now it's all about who can get the most clicks, so they have to go to the extremes. Uh, they, that, I, that's, that's exactly the issue, you know? Yeah. And I think a platform like Brian's talking about where it's up to the consumer or the person that's giving <clears throat> their time on their device 
uh, to pay that person, you'd get a lot more, I, I think, uh, critical journalism, which is frankly, I think, what the world's missing. I yeah. mean, critical journalism, I mean, uh, what was that? Uh, uh, Spotlight, that, that oh, movie, Spotlight, Argo, right? like all these, you know, issues that have been in society, you know, uh, sometimes even serial killers. They weren't found by police or, you know, people that were actually paid to look for them. It was yeah. people that, you know, noticed there was an issue and wrote a story well, about Boston it. Boston Globe. Got enough people involved with the issue and yeah, that Boston issue changed. Globe was the spotlight one where that was where the Boston Globe uh, uh, broke up the Catholic Church pedophile ring in Boston. Mm-hmm. And then you had oh. the Miami Herald was the one that... Uh, uh, broke news on the pedophile rings uh, actually happening within the super wealthy mansion areas. Yeah, and uh, uh, there was that Florida so. newspaper uh, as well. Yeah, that's that was been Miami closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then that was all Epstein and all that, right? Yeah. So uh, it's just, there, there's, it, it seems to me like the world elite, like we've talked about on this podcast, has the ability to just kind of pay their way into the shadows. Yeah. And that's where they like to operate because there's no, there's less questions. But when we're dealing with more municipal, I think that that's mm. where things get a little bit interesting because I think a lot of the public, like we were talking off air here with Brian, and a lot of the public doesn't even know how these guys got their money. When you're at the federal level or even the international level, we tend to know who you are. There's a certain measure of like celebrity status. Mm. But we've got... Oshri, who is a millionaire or billionaire, I have no idea where his money came from. And uh, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of wealthy, connected people. Um, And and on that note, I kind of wanted to ask you, Brian, um, had you heard of that that, uh, KV Capital sponsored event that they had last week? And what were your thoughts on that guy? Oh, yeah. Well, a friend of mine uh, texted me and uh, she was like really upset that I wasn't invited to that uh, And and I at first I thought, oh yeah, that's kind of not fair. And then I I checked it out and I checked out KV Capital and I thought these guys are not interested in what I have to say. Yeah, they are not interested, and that's fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, they're on a totally different page than me. Yeah. Uh, uh, they're uh, they're just like a a bank. Yeah, that's KV Capital. They're they're uh, they're out to uh, uh, lend money. They're mm-hmm. they're money lenders. Yeah, and uh, uh, I, I'm the kind of person that's saying, "Hey, we should cut back. We should start burning less and buying less and borrowing less." Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. So I guess to <laughs> so why do they want to invite me? Makes you know, sense. Yeah, you exactly. know, like <laughs> the, the, I, I just sort of eat up some of the clock and 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 I'm like I'm totally I'm saying I'm saying like hey this is corrupt to be trying to win money uh, elections with money and advertising mm-hmm. it's not democratic yeah. like they don't want to hear that so like why would they want me there but they're so uh, undemocratic just in that decision making right there right exactly. like we don't want well, another voice well, <laughs> but on the other hand we didn't invite them here right yeah you well know, actually so, we, you know. we reached out I've reached out so yeah. for, for the record uh, yeah. Evan, Evan reached out yeah. to everyone the only so far we haven't heard back from uh, from most of them but uh, the only one to, to completely outright say no was Oshri because he found out that there's a left leaning person with a legal background on yeah. the Podcast. I said, oh yeah, I'm an Alberta business guy. I run a podcast. He's like, oh, that's really cool. It'd be really interesting. Who's the other guy of the podcast? Oh, yeah. it's a left leading uh, guy with a law degree. Oh, you have a lawyer to podcast. Have a great day. Click. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. just it, it, this is this is the issue. This is why I love this podcast. This is why we call it the Gooch because 
it, like I think society is just Ugh. left and right, and I think because of marketing in a lot of ways, we got we brought up today that that division has to get stronger. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a really interesting model you have. Uh, you know, where basically it's a pay to play. Uh, my question is, I mean, you kind of touched on environmentalism. Um, you know, uh, obviously Trudeau's kind of come out with the directive to have all electric vehicles by 2035. I, I I'm not going to get into that, but uh, obviously, oil and gas needs to kind of move on. Uh, we got to start looking at other more, uh, you know, environmentally friendly ways to power things. What is your opinion on nuclear power? Ooh. Oh, nuclear power. Mm. Uh, okay. Uh, just before I get into nuclear power, mm-hmm. I, I want to make one point that I think is really important. 100%. Like, sure. like you were talking about transitioning to electric cars. Yeah. Well, I think that instead of like like looking uh, at at ways we can find ways to uh, to to keep uh, going at the pace we're going, that that we should really be focusing on burning less mm-hmm. and. And, and which means like, like traveling less, mm-hmm. like yeah. like uh, uh, people this century travel like like thousands of times more than people did a hundred years ago. Oh yeah. yeah, and 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 in doing so, like we burn, mm-hmm. and we create carbon dioxide, and and we're toasting the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I think it's really important instead of looking at how, how we can keep using so much energy, uh, to have our fun. Mm-hmm. That we should be looking at ways to to have lots of fun without using so much energy. Okay, I really I, and, like that. That's true. And, yeah. And and, uh, and 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 nuclear, like, or I always mispronounce that, but uh, <laughs> uh, like, I, I love science. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I was, um, uh, chemistry and physics were my favorite. And math were my favorite subjects in high school. But yeah. oh wow, uh, but well, might as well actually, yeah, yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> And I think it's amazing that Einstein discovered how 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 we can, how we can harness nuclear energy, but come on, it, the the, the uh, uh, creating the the byproduct of plutonium to leave around as as a, as a waste product that's super dangerous mm-hmm. to life, yeah, yeah, and and that's going to be around for a, you know, a, a gazillion, yeah gazillion years because its half-life is, is so long mm-hmm. is just like it's not re- being responsible it's not being respectful to to life in the future because we yeah. don't know you know how th- th- that waste is going to be managed properly oh, absolutely there's an in interesting the future. study you should look into as well uh they've actually developed a reactor that can use spent uh pl- plutonium and uranium rods uh, so basically, if you build one of these reactors beside a full functioning reactor, there'd be literally no emission other than the steam. Uh, it was a concept that's uh, been, I think, started out of uh, either MIT or one of those I think big it was Stanford. Yeah, Stanford, yeah. MIT. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's just I, I asked that question because you know most most kind of uh, you know environmental people, as soon as you get on that nuclear topic, it's like. Oh, they climb up. It's like, well, there's an effective way to change it. There's some solutions we can invest in scientifically, economically. You know, I'm not saying build a reactor in Edmonton where the municipal airport was, but yeah, you know, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I like to learn things, and if I, I'm not aware of that, that there's a plutonium mm-hmm. reactor. If, if that's the case, and that's what that's the way we would be going. Well, 
I, I don't see why we shouldn't. But hmm. I'm I'm a little bit skeptical until I like, like like sort of see the science. And, yeah, and see, yeah, and you know, see it. You know, it's it's too. like it's I like, like the open mindedness in general. That's that's, that's exactly the, that's exactly it. I mean. Uh, the, the 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 thing most people bring up is Chernobyl, and I kind of referenced this in the last podcast. Uh, you know, Chernobyl really was a fault of the system that built it, not really the science behind it. They didn't have a containment building. Uh, the Soviets built uh, positive neutron flux reactors. Uh, you know, no other country on the world builds a reactor that'll keep producing electricity when you shut it down. It'll melt. Uh, that's uh, they didn't build a containment building around it because of cost savings measures. Yeah. They put graphite in the tips of the uranium rods. That was that was the design flaw that made it explode. They pulled all the core, uh, the the, uh, the the rods out, and when they pushed them back in, the first thing to touch the core was graphite, which basically accelerated the reaction and caused the explosion. Uh, and, you know, it's unfortunate, you know, that most people kind of look at that and they say, well, that's how every reactor is going to be. I mean, that was back in the 80s. I mean, science yeah. has advanced quite considerably. But I'm actually, want... I'm actually more curious about getting yeah. some opinions on the reduction of the fuel use because in Canada, it's a massive issue because of how much we travel. Exactly. Even just to get here today, 30 minutes. We live yeah. in the same city. It took me 30 minutes to get here because I live on the opposite side. That's a lot of driving. So I guess to burn now, less, I guess our options are to either, you know, increase more in public transit. Uh, but what's kind of your opinion on that? Like what would make Edmonton a more uh, burn less city? Well, have you guys heard about the 15 minute neighborhood? No, 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 no I haven't. I have not. Okay. Well, this is the idea that uh, we should build our neighborhoods so that in 15 minutes you can walk to all the services you need. You can walk to, uh, to get your your groceries. You can walk to the doctor. You can walk to the you know. Uh, so that right there. Uh, yeah. uh, so so you know so you can walk to the library. You can walk walk to your school. Like did you know that like 40 percent of the 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 car traveling in our city is people driving their kids to school. I live in Rossdale. My school has been closed for like 40 years or something. Like uh, we look after uh, my, my girlfriend's uh, um, granddaughter, like uh, we're sort of her parents. And, mm -hmm. and, and my girlfriend has to drive her every day to, to Grandin School across the high level bridge. Whereas two blocks away, there's a school that's sitting there. The Edmonton Public School owns it. The school board owns it. Yeah. And they have in there the offices for the people that drive the buses. Um. What? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I like that idea. Uh, but you, I mean, we'd be immediately. I can see why big money would be like really, really he hesitant on any of these because we literally, like, one of our biggest grocery stores is called Superstore. Yeah. And the end goal of this would be to shrink them pretty drastically. I would imagine, right? So, so other than that, I mean, the fifteen-minute like neighborhood, uh, like. Obviously, fitting everything that someone would need within a 15-minute radius would would create a lot more brick-and-mortar stores, but, you know, it would also potentially, uh, you know, increase the amount of drop shipping like uh, Amazon companies, right? Well, what's kind of your opinion on stuff like that? I mean, uh, maybe not Amazon in general, but just like the end of kind of, you know, brick-and-mortar retail and moving towards more of a, you know, buy an order from your house, get it delivered kind of deal. Well, I think there's room for both, mm. and uh, and like uh, again, like you know, I, I I tend to be like a little bit socialist. Uh, I feel like uh, 
Canada Post should handle the Amazon's business in in Canada. I agree. And uh, because uh, Canada Post has better labor standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mainly that's the reason. <laughs> actually, pay their people right. Uh, yeah. And that, like, that's the main reason. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, this comes around to uh, like the theme of my platform is is uh, building a caring economy with love and respect for everyone on the planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love and what what I say is like the economy that that we have right now across the whole world is is a mean and cruel economy. Yep. You know, it's it it's it's uh, it seems to be quite okay to exploit people, uh, exploit labor, uh, it, w- if you can do it secretly or, or covertly by exploiting labor in foreign countries. Yeah, uh, and um, and also and and to exploit the environment and the, and the planet just for profit. Like that's mean, mean. It's cruel, uh, and I uh, I I want to look to building. A, economy where where we try to take care of everyone mm-hmm. I like yeah that. so like in it would it be fair then because i like as an edmontonian uh, uh would it be fair to say that one of the better approaches to reducing energy consumption would be to actually encourage people to work from home if possible so that they're not driving all the time and to try and uh, try and almost I think that the idea, I like the idea of the 15 minute community, but I'm curious now because in this last year and a half, so many people have become very uh, uh, reliant on these like immediate delivery companies and like the, the amount of people who order from the skip the dishes, those kinds of couriers, all of that stuff for within a within a degree everything is closer to them because they don't ever have to leave their house, but yeah. there's still people burning energy for it. Would there be a I mean, maybe there's a there's a opening there to having an Edmonton City app where all of the businesses as part of their license are able to get on there um, and, deliver and, you, and deliver to your house. I like that idea. And that way you're rather than physically shrinking the community, you're digitally shrinking the community. So yeah, that exactly. That's a really good good point, Tristan. Tristan, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine talked about, about this, of having an app he's a painter and he says he says like it's kind of ridiculous he says you know like uh like there's a lot of independent you know contractors that are are painters and like i get a job and i i i live in beverly and my job is like in metal arc and i drive all the way over there for a couple of weeks to paint paint a house and i drive back whether there's a painter in metal arc who's driving to st albert because he got a job there and so we want to have an app that connects the workers uh, to to the most the closest work, yeah, and and and, and a need for work to mm-hmm. to to connect them with with the closest uh, you know reliable worker, yeah, and and uh, um, so that that in in a way when you look at our city and you see like all these cars driving around, you think where are all these people going? Like mm-hmm. why? Yeah. Why are are all these people driving around? Where are they going? What are they doing? Mm-hmm. And it's it's mostly like disorganization. Yeah, is is what it is. Like we we have the, the this uh, easy easy fix where like now we can dr- travel at huge velocities because of uh, of our of our uh, technology. Yeah. yeah, and so so we we don't 
take the time to to figure out an organized system of where we don't have to travel as much. It's just so easy to start the car. I mean, like I should talk. Like I've had a, a, a since I was sixteen, I've had the key to my car in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like I'm super entitled. Like I, yeah, like how well, many other like human a, beings? It's you almost know, in like a, it's almost like coming of age in this well, it's society. Like a key to yeah. freedom, vehicle, too, yeah. right? Like you, were, it was yeah. like that symbol that you could escape your parents' house. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of what it was. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like, oh, I can finally leave without their permission, right? Like that. So there is like, yeah, there's definitely like a freedom tie-in, but I know that there's also going to be a lot of industries. Like, if we reduce the amount we're driving, and this is not a knock because I think that these industries are bloated and often uh, unnecessary, but insurance companies are uh, are going to be incredibly hostile to anything that would reduce people's driving because they make a lot of their money off of accidents they make especially in alberta here it's privatized yeah Yeah, i make money off of pain and misery don't don't wreck my market oh i know (laughs) it's the Everybody's so griping true. about the the potential of this that are going to be the ones who are upset, not about potential pain and suffering, but a p- potential like hit to their wallets, right? Uh, but, yeah, I'll uh, take another peach there. Sure, I'll have one. I'm thanks. thanks. Uh, but yeah, no, I find I, I I love the idea of reducing travel. I it was one of my favorite things. I I lived in Kamloops for a few years, and everything was 15 minutes away because that's just the nature of Kamloops. Yeah, yeah. I unless there's an accident, Albert, on, same thing. Yeah, yeah. unless there's yeah. an accident on the Overlanders Bridge, in which case now you cannot access the other side for about 45 <laughs> minutes. So like, they they were it was very touch and go. But yeah, yeah I I found that daily stress in general was down drastically. That's the best one. Sorry, that's uh, I'm gonna ignore but that. Yeah, like it was. Uh, I found that my my overall stress levels were down. My quality of life goes up just in. Well, you got more ability. time with your family. You're well, not exactly. on the road, right? And then like, we have grocery stores everywhere. But also, 15 minutes down the road, I have a farmers market. So I never bought my produce at any grocery stores. Grocery stores don't have to buy bulk produce anymore, so it reduces their cost and the amount of garbage they're having. Yeah. Farmers markets are now getting paid directly for their food, yeah. and they get they get to do it in a massive way. So I love the. I love the idea of community farmers markets too, and coming to. I, you I, I love the Strathcona one. My yeah. mother in law is there. There's one in Beverly. I live in Beverly every as weekend. Well, so. She's yeah, she's she's uh, she does fabric design, makes masks, things like that. Uh, you know, I just uh, I just kind of curious though. I mean, uh, are you thinking about maybe adding to the LRT or like what's your opinion of like uh, the LRT system in Edmonton? I'm not sure. Like, I feel uh, like since COVID, uh, we have to think: Is this really smart? Like to to pack people all into a confined space? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's uh, a good way to put it. Uh, yeah. uh, and and hold them there for you know a good part of an hour. You know, like exchanging uh, whatever pathogens they may be uh, going through their their respiratory systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is this really smart? Uh, uh, then on the other hand, it's smart because it's helping us to burn less, right? So we've got to balance these things. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I like to imagine what's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure the days of the the automobile being navigated by a human being is 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 just like as as a main way to, to transport is 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 coming to an end. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense. Uh, to have these vehicles that are that are super powerful, that that can go at superhuman speeds, 
uh, being navigated by uh, human beings that are fallible. Yeah, and and I mean it's a, a, a human navigator navig- navigating an automobile is subject to like uh, drowsiness, sickness, substances, emotional upsets, yeah, substances, yeah. human condition uh, in yeah, general, yeah, right? Every, every distractions of all sort. It's it's just not safe. Yeah, it, it's it, it's it's. I mean, like you're going along, and uh, and there's there's a guy coming, like you know, like only four feet from you, and, and your combined velocity is over a hundred kilometer kilometers an hour. Yeah, it's just like it's ooh. Yeah. and and I mean, look at the stats. How many people are killed by cars? But oh, that's okay. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's like you know, more than are killed in some wars. Yeah. You know. Cost of freedom. So I, but because of the way technology is moving, I'm pretty sure, like I won't see it in my lifetime. Uh, I'm on my last legs here, but you guys probably will see it. You'll you'll go out and get in your car and say, "Take me over to Avin's house." Yes, I believe that. And and the car will just drive you and you can go away look at your tiktok or i think uh, the nice thing is is that almost spells uh, the inevitable uh, end of the insurance industry no matter what uh, because if if a computer's doing it they're no longer billing me for my liability because i'm not doing any of that so that's on the computer so at the end of the day that I think that that probably spells the end of the uh, insurance as we know it. Oh, Evan's I, uh, getting red. I, uh, I I can't get behind that. Just, you know, it's, uh, I grew up reading Isaac Asimov. Uh, you know, I uh, it's the guy that wrote uh, yeah. Three Laws of Robotics. Um, yeah. Just uh, you know, all this. Uh, I, I I I like the freedom. I like driving, but you know, I might be a little biased. My my job is mainly on the road. I'm driving a lot. Uh, it's just something I've always done. Uh, it's just I, I just like the open road, and I just wouldn't want to give up the control. And I think that would be the issue with. I think people maybe with our generation. I think it's it would just be education moving forward. Like, hey, well, the, you know, the goal isn't <laughs> well, zero. Well, in economics right? like, too. Economics too. like too. Yeah. Like I think it. Uh, if I didn't have to pay insurance and the robot drove the yeah. car, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I'll just drive at the track. Cheers. And plus, yeah. you, and plus, <laughs> and plus, you could. Uh, do something else while while yeah. you're while you're traveling. Yeah, very. But true. I I think that it, that uh, when the new when those technologies start coming in, like the automatic vehicles, mm-hmm. that traffic control will be easier. Like we won't have to worry about enforcing speed limits. Mm-hmm. We won't, you know, and and like you say, like insurance costs will go down. Like I'm sorry, like certain industries, like body shops, will will go out of business. Yeah, but. Well, they'll still on. be there. There'd just be less of them. It would be yeah. the most efficient ones, yeah. which is what you want in capitalism right. anyway. And at this yeah. point, probably most of those body shops are robots too, right? Like if you're if you have a robotic car that knows where you're going, most of the arms and stuff, like because you're not going to need. I think we're talking way in the future. Yeah, right? talking, well, I mean, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Like once you get one trickle effect, you tend to get all of the industries collectively just falling down. It's those very stairs. true. Uh, you know, I, I I I've worked at a shop, and it's there's 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 some things that just. A, a, a robot that I can imagine couldn't do, but that's yeah. that's limited to my my understanding of robotics. And how cars and are built now? How, how the Who future knows? is going to change that shit? Yeah. You know, like uh, the, the the one issue I have, you know, with just electric vehicle market in general is uh, every year JD Power releases a uh, issues within the first ninety day of ownership report, and uh, Dodge actually won uh, with the lowest amount of issues. It's like golf; you want a lower score. Uh, they beat Kia this year with like fifty nine issues. I think uh, within a, a certain amount of consumers, I think it's. 
thousand. I uh, could be off on that, but uh, at the bottom of that was Tesla with two hundred and fifty issues, okay. and no I one knows how that. to fix those. You take a Tesla oh. to any shop, yeah. and yeah. you're you're fucked. They, they they designed it specifically so that when it breaks, you need to buy a new one. But the and that is so wasteful. Oh, that so brings so up wasteful. another thing, Evan. Please, is is the repair industry? Yes, yeah. and and like. We we need to develop in our city like a really good repair industry because yes. yep. because it's so inefficient to have to be throwing things that are still have a lot of, of value in them throwing them in the garbage and buying yeah. a new one it's mm-hmm. so, so and wasteful it, and you know it's always and most people don't realize this but it's freaking insurance companies that prevent you from doing the repair stuff oh they'll well, make it salvage well, and then you're well, f- that was in Kamloops. They they used to have um, the ability to salvage uh, any major electronics, so uh, washers, dryers, uh, uh, stoves, fridges, all of that. Because sometimes you know a handle will break, but the motor's still running, or the motor will go, but the hand, the the shape is still good, the body's still good, or the burners are working, or whatever. One lady, one time had a fridge fall on her foot and the city shut everything down permanently because of the lawsuit. Oh, and it oh was just God. like, but now the, everybody's right to repair their own products and keep things more efficient to reduce costs, to reduce waste, to all of that goes because of one lawsuit and the city getting scared of that happening again. And that was because of, again, like the insurance company would have told the city, Oh, we're going to raise your rates. If you don't, if you keep this going. Right. And so a lot of the time that's that it's going to be just given it's another one of those things where this the big insurance beasts are are kind of just playing playing with people and, and using us almost like we're puppets because we we don't really get to make a lot of those choices. They're hidden behind smoke and mirrors. And that's really you'd asked off air why why, why I'm not working in law. And it's uh, a lot of it is just because of those kinds of things where I where while I was in school, I got to watch how the system works. And it was d- incredibly discouraging. I went to school with the, the goal in mind of either working in animal law or in criminal defense for people who can't afford it. Um, just because I have uh, within my family, uh, there's there's a lot of mental health and substance abuse and things like that. Um, and so being able to help those people, knowing that the designation of a criminal for someone who was injecting themselves with drugs because of depression versus someone who is cutting the throat of someone because of anger are two different things, but the society and media will paint them both as criminals. Right. And that's, and that's really where that's, that's why I didn't want to be a part of it. I, I, I looked at the system and I went, the system was designed not to serve those people because those people, according to the financial system, aren't considered people, aren't considered people, or at least, are aren't considered productive enough to matter. Well, I think like like you've said, uh, you know, the world's definitely a lot more uh, cutthroat. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, I, don't, I think that's the word yeah, you use. But is. you know, if like Tristan and I have talked about this, if five percent of the world's population is sociopathic or narcissistic, and you know, a percentage of those people are high intelligent, any business they get into. They're not going to give a fuck about anybody that they work with. Yeah. And they're inherently rewarded for that and promoted for that. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, I've, I've worked with people like that in this industry I work in. And they're just, it just makes everything miserable. And it's just, they've got all the support because they make all the money. And it's just like, well, what about your turnaround of all your employees at your dealership? 
What about what about uh, the fact that you know your Google reviews are always shit? Employees' you know, like, happiness. Yeah, you're making money, but at, at the expense of who? And I think you know in the, in the dealer world, like the the world I work in, it's it's a lot more um, community involved. Unlike you know maybe the insurance and the law industries yeah. where they can kind of hide in the shadows, you're yeah. dealing face to face with people, right? And if you have uh, you know an owner or something that's just completely sociopathic, you, you just kind of sit there and you, you can tell right away yeah. that the whole team is just like it, it's a fear based uh, occupation rather than I I, I I like working here. Yeah, you know they might say I like working here, but it's just because they get paid well because the narcissistic guy desking the deal is making the money but he's only paying them a fraction. Yeah. Of that, right? You're touching on something that I yeah. like to talk about, Evan mm-hmm. is like, you know, like, like the um, KV capital and their, their debate and everything. Yeah. And the, the, pretty well, uh, that was like a, like a party for business cheerleaders. Yeah. Okay. And uh, that's what it was. Like they're all business cheerleaders. And I feel that we have to discriminate when it comes to business. There's good business and bad business. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not just, oh, all business, let's let's promote business. Yeah. You yeah. know? No. Well, let's let's be really discriminating how we promote business. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. and and have you ever met a businessman that doesn't take care of themselves and look out for their own interests? I, I'm not sure, <laughs> you know. Like I mean, uh, give me a break. Yeah. You know, like we do not really need to be subsidizing business people and not babying them and uh, uh, and helping them out yeah. to create jobs, like creating a job. Give me a break. You're not creating a job by the goodness of your heart. Well, You're creating a job so that you get half the pay that the, for the work that the worker is doing. And we've yeah. talked you about know? that on the. You know, like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's with glorifying the job creators? Like, well, we've done. This we've, is a space age. Like, robots are supposed to be doing everything. Nobody's yeah, supposed kidding. to be working. You know, like, what's this creating jobs, having people working overtime? Yeah. Uh, well, like, and that's almost seen uh, as philanthropy. We made jobs. Cool. Yeah. They were minimum wage and the minimum wage is below the poverty yeah. line. Everyone, yeah. everyone, everyone working jobs, those like jobs. Amazon, and they're getting bare-based, you know? Yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah, like we've talked about that on the podcast before, and all these billion-trillion-dollar bailouts they've given to GM, the banks, and all these other things, you know, I, let them fail. It's not like there's not going to be a demand for airplanes or fucking cars or banks. Well, even micro subsidies within the city, right? Like, even if we just shrink it down to the municipality, the amount of subsidies that are given to these dinosaur companies, when guys like us who are, are, you know, approaching 30 or for me in in my 30s, we... I'm turning 30. We, yeah, we weren't given the opportunity to buy it at the fraction to enter the, the, the market because the government keeps stepping in and subsidizing these guys, preventing them from failure despite their actions. Like there are businesses right now that were on retail that don't have a e-commerce website and they're being subsidized. I think if you don't have an e-commerce website in 2021, that's on you. You screwed up somewhere. You didn't realize that 25 years ago, things were going digital. And in the last 25 years, you didn't make a single move to fix it. You're failing because of you, not because yeah. of COVID, Walmart, not because of the unbreaker. You're failing because of you. Yeah. And you need to be Winners. taught to fail so that people like us can go and buy you up uh, off the bank at 10 cents on the dollar. And we can run the business properly or at least have a chance to. We don't get that chance. We stay in, in middle management is the upper level for us right now. So I, uh, the next question my wife actually wanted me uh, wanted you ask. She's just upstairs. She's uh, she's a teacher. Uh, works for Edmonton Public. Uh, I try to keep her name off the podcast because you know Rebel Media likes firing teachers and going after any teacher that kind of goes outside of the cookie cutter box. Uh, so I got to be your soapbox a bit. But she's a little more curious. Like, 
what's your opinion on like a balanced budget? Like, how would you go about balancing that budget? I mean, we're talking about a lot of social programs, a lot of, uh, you know, startup here. Uh, who are we going to be taxing? I mean, other than the ultra wealthy, who in the ultra wealthy? Uh, what's what what what? Uh, are we going to be going after churches and uh, religious places? Asking them to finally fucking pay property tax? That would be <laughs> my uh, idea. But uh, what what's kind of your plan there? My plan is um, to be outspoken about uh, federal and provincial politics, as well as. Uh, talking about the civic politics because we rely on those levels of government for a, really a large part of our funding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 like it sort of seems like uh, it's an unwritten rule that you're supposed to pretend you're not partisan. Here's the issue I have: I'm driving down Anthony Henday. I'm going 20 over the speed limit, and I get a fucking $200 ticket in the mail because that's a cash cow for Edmonton. You know, um, that's funding the police. That's funding them kicking homeless people out and this this fascist shit they're trying to do with our homeless. You know, I, I just... Where, where, where's the line for you? Like, are we are we comfortable to keep doing that? Or are we comfortable... Okay, well, that's to me a different issue. Like, as far as, like, uh, mm, no, speeding fines, is, yeah. speeding fines, like, I'd like it to be as a percentage... Uh, of the value of your vehicle or your net worth, uh, not a fixed number. Oh, scalable, like they yeah. do in Finland. Yeah, okay. that's that. Uh, that's the only way to do. It. It's not fair the way it is at all. You know, like like uh, some of my opponents uh, could be uh, in, in this election. The ones that were at the KV thing could be, you know, going well over the speed limit and get a ticket, and it's just like whatever it's, it's like cost, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's like me driving a toonie to a guy on the street yeah you know big deal you know uh, uh the paperwork's more problem than the, than than the pain from the fine mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. but but uh but back to the thing about about uh, your wife's question about how to fund our programs yes i think like it's it's really important to to point out that our federal and provincial governments for the past 40 years have been lowering taxes on corporations and lowering taxes on rich people. Mm-hmm. And they have, and especially the federal government who should be doing this is not taking our F-16 fighters and going and bombing the, the tax havens. Just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's something, there, but something, the should, something should be done, <laughs> you know, about that. But my point is uh, we need to, to speak up to have federal and provincial governments that have the courage to raise taxes, I believe, uh, that our our tax rates are much too low right mm-hmm. now for corporations. For corporations. For, for corporations. Yeah. At, at, and uh, well, not only the tax is too low, but like our minimum wages are too low. Like there's all kinds of uh, of things that that we can't do in the city. We we have no control over. We mm-hmm. have, yeah. so as citizens. At, uh, and I think that like even like even as I'm I'm serving in a political role right now, I have to speak up beyond just the civic uh, politics. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and uh, this is one of my challenges to the other candidates. I say, hey, who are we kidding? Like, why don't we be be honest with the voters? Like, hey, you guys, who do you support uh, federally and provincially? Like, I I'll be quite honest. Like, I think for these times right now, <coughs> not perfect. Uh, by any means but i think that the ndp is the best choice for right now both federally and provincially i'd like to see rachel mm-hmm. notley get reelected, and i'd like to see jagmeet singh become the first uh 
um, NDP prime minister, the first brown uh, prime minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I really like uh, the guy. And yeah. uh, uh, so uh, I'm just going to like to take a, a moment to uh, point that out, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, when I'm speaking publicly, that I, that I think that that we have to pay attention to those things because that's where we're going to get the money, yeah. yep. so that we can have the programs that we need uh, to 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 care for everyone in our city. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool. So, and I, and I like the outspokenness. I think that there's also ways um, from my my end of the world where. Um, the civic governments can actually put pressure on provincial and federal governments uh, in ways that a lot of people don't know are possible. So like one of the good example um, of it is with the uh, opioid epidemic and the drug crisis in Vancouver. So for people who don't know, just to give a quick summary, um, both uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta have in the past sent their homeless people to Vancouver's downtown core. So Vancouver's downtown core is littered with a lot of homeless drug addicts. Mm-hmm. And I was actually just going to touch on this. There was that TikTok video of uh, the Edmonton police just going in and kicking out all the homeless up by yeah, the legislature there. Right. And it's like, well, where are these people going to go? And That's where I live. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's two uh, blocks from from uh, uh, Pika Kiwin. Yeah, 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 right on. No, well, it's just like I, I didn't grow up seeing that in Edmonton, and it's something that started because of COVID, uh, or gotten worse because of COVID. I, it's always been there. Uh, it's just we have all these buildings that are vacant. Yeah, we have them. They're, they're heated most of the time. Yeah. Electricity's running into them. No one's in them. Yeah. All these downtown buildings, like the Manulife Place, half the insurance the companies won't cover the damage. And it comes back to a big insurance companies not willing to foot the bill because, and granted, the mil- the the millionaires that are holding like own those kind of those buildings aren't willing to foot it either, no. right? But that's the thing is it comes down to that them not willing to pay the price of taking on a risk of somebody like an actual well, that's life. The thing. Though. I mean, like they see, but they see a life as a business risk, yeah. right? They see they see the quality of someone's life, someone that's that's dying on the street as a business risk, and that's a pathetic way to live, I think personally. But I think what I was saying was. The way that Vancouver attacked it was um, they got a an exemption for uh, from the uh, criminal code for distribution so that they could do the clean injection sites. Mm. And through the clean injection sites, so what happened was that was a liberal government, federal government, when they first got the federal approval to do it. And it lasted for two years and it was successful. Like all of the all of the notes coming out of it were successful. And people will talk, well, there's still tons of homelessness. There's still tons of drug addicts. Cool. What they were talking about was reducing the amount of hospitalizations as a uh, resulting from from it, uh, reducing the amount of deaths resulting from drug use and uh, and trying to reduce the amount of uh, of drug. Well, (laughs) well, not just drug use, but but diseases spread as a result of using dirty needles. That's that's the biggest that was the, the biggest yeah. one, right? And so there's a lot of people who complain about these these programs, and a, a lot, lot of them are live by it. Well, uh, you know that's what you're you're going to get. 100. You know? percent But I think that it improved multiple facets of the area. And what happened was the conservative government under Harper got elected, and they immediately went to pull the plug. But because the city had already proven that it was effective, and now they they have this legal reliance on this, they were relying on it. They were able to actually fight against the federal government and win. Yeah. So the city of Vancouver has an exemption that the federal government opposed and they won. What? And that's that's something that you can do as long yeah. as you do it in a very, very specific and very uh, guided way. Right. What, what, 
There you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, or, or just smart people. I mean, we've talked about like everybody's looking for breadcrumbs and there's loaves of bread everywhere. Yeah. I mean, some of them might not, you know, some of these solutions might not be, you know, the right way to do it, but not trying is inherently just, you know, uh, also propagating the issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the one thing that I was really upset about is uh, Oshri, or how do yeah. I pronounce his name? Oshri, sorry. Uh, he was openly outspoken about there not being a solution that he could think of for homelessness. And it's like, really, you couldn't sit down and, you know, just talk to someone on the left and maybe bring some of their ideas to the table. Like the fact that you approach it, like there's no solution or I can't think of one means there's that no he's not going way to, to end homelessness it. is how he was making wanted to say, but it, here's the thing right? you give, you give these guys. A, <laughs> I think that's what he meant to say. And that's, he just didn't know how to say it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but it, it's, it's funny. Like I, I, I work in an industry where it's very, what you say and how you say it. Yeah. You know, like sales is like one of those industries where you got to come in with confidence. You have to say it right. You got to listen. You got to use that. And it, 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 when when you deal with somebody uh, like politically, it, it, the way I, what I look for is their tonality and how how they're saying it and the words they chose to say it. Yeah. And when when you say I can't think of something, it inherently means that it doesn't bother you. You don't give a fuck about it. Yeah. You probably and haven't thought a lot about it. it. it, it the, I grew up in St. Albert, but I've been largely in Edmonton my whole life. Uh, you know, I, I, pretty much after I was in grade one, uh, and it's just the the amount of homelessness, the lack of investment in infrastructure, uh, you know, the the fact that we're openly, uh, you know, harsh on people that are a little less uh, high on the economic scale with tickets to fund the Edmonton police budget. Uh, it doesn't even do a good job of it. Like, the, I, for, for all of the things that I'm not a fan of Nickel for, one of the things that he's attacked are the radar cameras. Yeah. And and I get it, because when you read that, they're highly inefficient. They cost well, $168,000 a year to operate per yeah. camera, yeah. which is insane. Ooh. Well, they're and also the par- a charter violation, too. Well, and they bring in, yeah, well... Yeah, yeah. If everybody Lawyer just, going if so every, it's provincial, so it's not charter. So it would yeah. be it would be human rights legislation, well, and then you yeah. would have to debate whether or not the human rights would actually fall like like rise mm-hmm. to the same level of the federal there's level. There's no police there's, officer. There's an argument the there. Is what I'll tell you. Is yeah. there, there's definitely well, an argument there. But, fun watching you think, but yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, the it, it's it's not fully fleshed out. If it was on federal, like yeah. If it was on a federally run run highway, so on Highway One or Two, yeah, yeah or yeah. Two, then it would be a little bit different. But what about if they f- find the the manufacturers uh, an equal amount for speeding tickets? Oh well, yeah, I mean, I would love to see that. One of the <laughs> that, things that I would love to see come <laughs> from BC. Well, no one with the Toyota is getting the ticket. At least the Corolla, anyway. I mean, like they're the ones you're selling. You think they might? They might feel like investing in in systems to govern their vehicles automatically, so that people couldn't speed. Yeah, yeah. There split liability with them because a car that's fun to drive fast is going to be driven fast more often. Right. So like that, well, you made it, you're, you're taking some, I mean, there could be some negligence in there. Like, I love, I love the fact that law has this. The problem is, is there's not a lot of lawyers with balls because, well, the ones that have, like, there are lawyers with balls. They don't have free time or money. Uh-huh. So that's right. the, the, pro- the, pro- <laughs> the problem is, is that the ones who can do it don't mm. have the time to do it. But I want to kind of touch back on the homelessness thing for a second, because yeah. <clears throat> When I when I kind of took the side jab at Oshri, just saying there's no profitable way to end homelessness, I want to I want to actually sidestep that slightly. 
it would profit the people in those areas where homelessness concentrates. So in Beverly, I live in Beverly as well. There's uh, one one eighteenth has uh, or is it one twentieth? No, one eighteenth. There's huge profit in dealing with homelessness. A hundred percent. And but the profit goes to the people, not to well, and, and and it will go to businesses, small businesses more than anything. But it goes to the people first because property value is the first thing to go up when things start getting cleaned. And so the homeowners in those areas start to actually see a benefit directly, right? And as a result, now property taxes, uh, your your uh, amount of taxes are going to go up slightly, which can fund more services there. And those services can then employ more people. That employment can then pay more into the system, funding more services, and it becomes a growing holistic system. So I think when he says there's no, he can't think of a way or there's no profitable way, there's no way for him to profit or for his buddies yeah. to profit. And yeah. that's the problem. And his buddies can profit off, off of having a labor force that's, that's been, been uh, uh, subject, uh, subject to, to having to work for, uh, for less than a living wage. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of businesses that, that survive because they're exploiting labor. And, and, Almost the entire retail sector you know, does that. Yeah, yeah. and sure. and uh, like personally, I don't think they deserve to be in business if if they can't pay a living wage. Like I don't care if the minimum wage is not high enough. If the, we haven't had governments that are, have the courage to 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 bring the, the the minimum wage up to the living wage, but as far as I'm concerned, like mm-hmm. even though they're not conscious of it, they say everybody else is doing it, so I'm doing it. You yeah, know, it's okay. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, you know, we're running into a huge issue right now with uh, people just quitting minimum wage jobs. And the last time this good. really happened yeah. in human history. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Last yeah. Time that's really, go on strike. Do yeah. not work. Yeah, you know? like we need you know? to unionize more. And as a guy from the right, I support it's unions perfect. because yeah. it, it, it protects. Why I support you as yeah. a guy on the right. It, it protects the workers <laughs> and it makes points. sure that they're getting paid so they can actually do the fuck what the fuck they want. But regardless, I mean, uh, the last time this really happened in history where we've had this kind of mass exodus from the minimum wage community was after the Black Plague. Yeah. Uh, there was all these people that were overworked in serfs, and there was a third of the population just got marked. Most of them were, you know, a, a disproportionately amount of them were poor, so there was even less yeah. of these serfs. And they were like, oh, you want us to keep working your field? Fuck you, pay me. Yeah. And, uh, they, they, you know, obviously these landowners and these castle guys were just like, well, we uh, almost had it, okay. right? Like the, the <laughs> but yeah, we're seeing like down in the states, these guys walking out of McDonald's, just saying that we're done. The whole place is closing up, and I, like I said, I think that's what needs to happen. Yeah. We need to kind of make more unions. We can this. we can have a great society where people are getting paid a decent wage. Like, yeah, like we we really can. Like there's something like just out of balance, where where guys can afford to take a joyride to space. Uh, another, another subsidized pe- by the tax dollar and, too, and, and other other people like like are suffering on the street without a home, to, a roof over their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like like it's just out of balance. Space is old news too. I mean, we've been up there. We know what's up there. It's, I know. It's go to void. the bottom of the ocean. No, I want to know what's at the bottom yeah, of the go, ocean. Go there. Go and find that and, and never darkest. come back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I I, I think that. Yeah, I, I I love the idea of getting money out of there. I have a heart, a huge one. The other one I wanted to talk about, just because you are the only candidate to have brought this up, and it's something that we've talked about a lot, especially just given my background, was the police budget, police reform, and mental health in general. So without giving any kind of primary, I would just like to know what your, your thoughts are on all of that. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, yeah, thanks for bringing it up. We were sort of touching on it when we were talking about uh, the homeless. Yeah, and absolutely. The, and the, and the, the, drug, the drug problem. So uh, I think like the, the police budget is like the biggest part of our, our whole civic budget. Yeah. Like, I think it's over a third or something. Well, that and the transportation. I mean, yeah. those are the two yeah. biggest. And, and so here's a fact. Uh, I think it was 14 years ago, Portugal decriminalized uh, drug use. Yeah. And... and uh, they cut their crime rate in half. Hmm. So, uh, like, who are we protecting? What how, What are we doing by ha- by having prohibition on drugs? Like, all we're doing is we're creating a cops and robbers game. A black market. At, 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 we, we create jobs for gangsters, and we create jobs for policemen yeah. to fight them. And then we have the big fight go on. They run around, they big, big helicopters and big guns and... <laughs> Uh, you know, and uh, spy her phones and listen to what they're saying, and oh, I got to get there. Go, you know, like come on, give me a break. Look, t- look at what happened in Portugal. Yeah. The, uh, in Portugal, you know, if you're a drug addict, you can go to a government clinic. You can get whatever kind of drug you want, and you can get counseling. And you don't, and and it doesn't cost you a lot of money, so you don't have to go and break into cars to get the money to to pay a pusher to get your drugs. So, I and of course the city can't do anything about that. Really, it's a federal law. Mm-hmm. That's it comes back to again as as a, a civic politician, I have to speak up about our federal and provincial politics too. And say, yeah. We need a federal government that's got the courage. It's actually actually Jagmeet Singh's policy. He's going to decriminalize, yep. and it'll save us a lot of money. And for, for our police in Edmonton, I was talking to a police officer. Uh, Last so, last so week, just, just to quantify that, how do you want that to work? Like, are you saying like we decriminalize it so I can oh now I can now open an opium den? No, next, no, there's no. a difference between so, decriminalizing and regulating, right? Okay, so like yeah. just pulling it out of the criminal code in general leaves mm-hmm. it to the provinces. Okay, so basically the federal government has certain branches that they can regulate, and yeah. criminal law is one of them. And the problem is, is by regulating criminal law at a federal level, it doesn't take individual case by case issues. So like if you go up into like the Inuit up north where they're they have suicide rates, but the drugs that they're using are different or the, the a lot of the time it's huffing and things that are related that are actually legally accessible. Um, so dealing with those issues are going to be dealing with uh, different than dealing with opioid issues in Vancouver, which is going to be different than dealing with alcohol issues in Alberta or whatever. Right. So getting it out of the federal government's hands who's kind of like the big rule maker and letting the people who actually interact with those individuals make those rules i think i'm not i don't i don't mean to speak for yeah. yourself but that's that's what i think you were you were <laughs> well, where you were coming from well uh what, what i imagine is 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 have, having like as well as decriminalizing as ha- having uh t- treating it like a medical problem which it is yeah and having oh, cli- and having clinics like safe injection sites where drug addicts can go and get clean, safe drugs. If if they're in, if they're they're people that shoot up, then they can they can have like clean syringes so forth and so on. But also have access to all the social services that they need, mm. like like have access to to counseling. And and saying, hey, oh, you're on crystal meth. Uh, why don't you try heroin? So what if I better? don't want to get help, but I just want an eight ball? Well, you can make that as part of the condition of using it, right? So you if you don't want help, the people who don't want help, uh, uh, I guess they're, they're a tiny fraction, you know, like 
Like the reason people are, are taking these drugs is because it's medicine for them. Mm. It makes them feel better. They don't feel good and they want to feel better. Well, I guess you have and, to convince a person of that too because there's a lot of high-functioning drug users in society too. Yeah. And I think it trickles down. I mean, like when, when you see a homeless guy doing drugs, you're like, oh, he's homeless because he does drugs. But then you go out to a party and you bang an eight ball with your buddies. What's drink, an eight ball uh, anyway? A bunch of cocaine. Oh, right, you know? yeah. And you're doing all that with your buddies. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're equally, if not doing more expensive drugs than the guy that's homeless but by virtue of you having a job and the ability for you to kind of keep your shit together on a level, you know, it, 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 I don't see the, the connection there. Well, it's just a yeah. discrimination on almost like well, that's exactly uh, biology, it. right? Because yeah. like we've talked about it before where there have been studies within the law society in Canada to see what the average amount, like the percentage of lawyers that are, are substance users. Mm -hmm. And they say that between 30 and 45% of lawyers are regular substance users. Doctors too. Right? Doctors yeah. is actually slightly higher, but, the, <laughs> but they use pre prescription level. So oh. they actually, they said it's like 38 or 37 percent up to 50 percent yeah so who are we wow. kidding yeah so that's people, what i'm saying everyone's doing using drugs. it yeah. we're only punishing yeah. the people who have the worst effects from it and yeah. the people who didn't have the mental chemistry to avoid the worst case scenario and yeah. and by having it illegal we create this giant black market yeah. that just just sucks out of our economy well, it just that, it just yeah. sucks sucks capital right out of the economy well and the one that the the part that bugs me i, I think more that. than anything is those like the illegal the criminal aspect people go well we don't want to invest any money into this homeless person well if you arrest him it's sixty seven thousand dollars a year to to house him in a, pro, a provincial prison a hundred and it, some for federal it's a hundred and twenty thousand yeah. dollars in a federal level so the if you're distributing a federal amount now the 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 taxpayers are paying you a hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year we could have we could have used that significantly less money house them give them more op opportunity to give them access to different services to avoid those outcomes yeah. but it's just the investments coming at the end we're just we have an incredibly expensive golden band-aid at the end of this ridiculous freaking trip as ra as opposed <laughs> to just putting the money into it ahead of time to avoid the scrapes at the beginning uh, uh, you know altogether so it's just it's it's wholly inefficient I think mm -hmm. is really where it comes down to. Hey, how much time do we have for you guys? Oh, we usually do these for a couple hours. Well, uh, we, go, oh. we can go for like an hour, hour and a half, but yeah. yeah. Okay, listen, there's there's another thing that we should touch on, and yeah. this is like privatization of services. Yeah. Uh, because like, I think it's like, uh, like not really very smart. Yeah. Uh, like, like for instance, like they just, uh, the city just uh, privatized the cleaning of the buses, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, good. Now we're going to have a private contractor come in and it's going to create jobs at lower pay for some people to do the work. Yeah. Uh, so what's going to happen to those people that were working? Like, who? how are they going to pay their bills now? And how are they going to, like, like what's going to happen? Like, yeah. all it's doing is you're offloading it onto some other br a branch of government or something that's going to have to look after these people that are going to go on unemployment yeah. or whatever. So, like, what? Why don't you figure those costs into how much you're saving? Yeah, like it's not, it's not, it, it's like it's so selfish and 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 short sighted. It's like, oh yeah, okay, we'll we'll get some people to come in and do the. It happened to my girlfriend. Like she had contracted uh, cleaning cleaning services for a corporation for 25 years, and the company kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then then during the downturn, like in in 2016, they said, oh, uh, we have. Uh, uh, somebody that'll do the, the, the contract for half the money 
So, uh, like, you have two weeks to decide, like, either take it for half the money or walk. And, uh, and then you either uh, get a lawyer at that point, lose uh, whatever else you're going to get to them, or just take it, you know? Like, well, it's too bad. It, you know, and, and it's like, uh, it's... Uh, she, she was she's in a tough position of being like a, a contractor right yeah. no benefits no uh, rights no, nothing right that's yeah. my life <laughs> well that was that was before I went to law school I actually ran a, a pretty big hockey school in Vancouver that I started and um, two years before I, I ended up leaving I had developed a, a huge development program that within the biggest association in the city and the success rate was off the charts so I'd in three years went from one person to the second biggest school in in the city of Vancouver. But then my number one competitor hired a former NHLer to be the figurehead. And then they stole, they came in and took my contract. They weren't even offering, it wasn't even for less money. It was just, now you can market better. Here's an yeah. NHLer attached yeah. to it. That's what happened to and, me in the music business too. Like, yeah. like uh, the bands that I played in, like developed the sidetrack cafe local bands and the and the uh the uh, blues on white yeah yeah and then uh, once we got those things happening and people coming out and they're making investors then they went to bringing import bands because yeah. it was easier to promote them like they say oh we got yeah. you know joe blow from chicago you know uh and they don't uh, give you any respect for the people who pay for oh, exactly yeah, yeah. Like, I've no, seen that not just god just yeah. like god. just like tesla he builds his company in california with all these social programs as soon as things start taking off oh, i'm gonna fuck off to texas where i don't have to pay tax yeah. not that he pays yeah, well, tax anyway no but it's just yeah it's just that shit like that man i get that they but and yet our government goes well these business people they paved the way for businesses so we got to subsidize them but they don't look at any other industry the same way no. they don't look at anyone else who paved the way like the arts or entertainment they don't look at at the 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 social services programs and things like that like yeah. i couldn't agree more with you that the best uh, under the under the one caveat that we have to reduce like keep administrative spending limited because that's the hardest problem with any government-run program is they love to spend on their administration but other than mm -hmm. that socializing those programs makes the most sense because you can raise the standards for the people who are working for them that's the thing but i think kind of the sadder thing to acknowledge with that is that we're we're pretty much say, saying that privatizing is moving towards lower standards and yet the four people who all attended that the the event last week with KV Capital all are on board with businesses right mm -hmm. Pri privatization and they they have supported whether it be the privatization of our garbage and recycling cleanup which missed 13 houses for uh, for 2 weeks 13,000 houses 13 houses would have been nothing 13,000 <laughs> houses <laughs> uh for for over for over 2 weeks so like we have uh as you move to privatization, you're you're normally serving the end user worse. You're serving the worker worse. It's hurting everyone except for the bottom line of the guy who's paying the bill. And I think that yeah, we're paying the bill. We have to do more work on our garbage now. Yeah, like like we have to go right now. My girlfriend and I were trying to go to like uh, how to do your garbage university. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and we have to study every night. You know, like which kind of stuff goes in the green box and which goes in the black box and whatever you know you got home. you got a, almost a million people having to go to school uh but whatever you know like uh 
I can't change that right now. Like the deal is done. Like how many millions of dollars? What am I supposed to do with my good metal garbage cans that I've had like for 40 years? Oh, I know. It's this kind of thing that... No worries. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back in just a second. Where I would would point things out that looked weird and I would go like this. This doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And to them, like like earlier talking about the clothing differences, and uh, and I brought that up at law school. I was like, "Wow, talk about hypocritical!" And they were like, "Wow, I mean, you don't want to look, you don't want to look bad." I was like, "Would you would you accept a, one of the waitresses saying that to the complainant in the case we just read?" And are we back on? Because that? I don't think so, right? Perfect. And it's and that's that's the kind of hypocrisy that I just I can't I can't stand. And it's and the yeah. the wealthier, the more elite, the more disconnected you are from the average citizen, the less the less you should be relied on for anything. Because your advice is useless. You have no sage advice, you have no wisdom. It used to be as you raised your your status within the community, you became a wiser person who was working towards the better of everyone. The opposite is true now. I think the as you raise your status, you become basically the the least connected person, the person who has who knows nothing yeah. about the the plight of other people. Yeah. The advice we get from these morons at the top now are like, buckle down and do it. Just just work those seventy five hours. Stop being right? a pussy. Like, come in and work yeah, overtime. What yeah. you want to do is working. Yeah. yeah. We First want five hard years, workers. Sacrifice, grind. You got to do some sacrificing. You got to grind. You gotta pick yourself up by the bootstraps. And yeah. you know, like, this is like, I wanted to say this earlier and I'm glad I got a second now. It costs $500 to start a business. Yeah. You don't need an education to start a business. And then when your business starts making money and you start employing educated people, we're all millennials, all three of us. Yeah. We're in the age demographic where we have the most post-secondary, uh, the most debt. And the lowest amount of pay historically, I think, since the medieval ages, if not the Industrial Revolution. I mean, you look at that and it's just like we've got these business owners that have just kind of inherited business, know nothing about it. Or, you know, just by virtue of them being absolutely terrible to their employees or third world people. They've established all this wealth and they're calling the shots. Yeah. And it, it drives me nuts because a guy like Tristan, you know, uh, he goes in to get a job anywhere. He's a liability yeah. because he's got a law degree. I've been straight up told that I'm a threat to employers. So when I was being yeah. interviewed by employers where they said, well, given your knowledge, I don't I, we don't really want to have you around here, especially yeah. like for me. I have a keen interest in the marijuana industry. I wanted to work there because. Like, like we've talked about before, I see actually a lot more benefit from the hemp line, but just the overall, the, the different molecules in there can help a lot of people. They can mm-hmm. help people with different uh, substance abuse problems, with stress, anxiety. They can also do harm. So I want to yeah. have that balanced conversation, but yeah. I, want, I, I didn't mind the idea of being at the front lines there. And uh, I, yeah, I've been told that I'm a threat to those people. But what this has created is uh, it was so evident in the whole pandemic we were going through have gone through is these guys that call the shots these get back to work pick yourself up by the bootstraps hard work blah 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 that mantra it it inherently doesn't give a shit about the population their health their well-being or anything it's strictly to do with their profit and also it creates the whole demographic 
that follows and believes that. And you get people that, you know, I'm a truck driver and I'm telling you about vaccines and how they're you know, going to put a <laughs> fucking microchip in you. And, you know, Bill Gates is going to know where you're living. And you've got scientists screaming on the other side saying, no, this is a va- this is a vaccine. There's science behind it. But somehow these guys have an equal opinion to the people that have actually been and done and gone through the formal education. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, everybody has freedom of speech. Everybody has the right to express their beliefs. But like we're tying into marketing, when we're living in a society that's an oligarchy, which is what we are right now, the marketing is going to be inherently pushed towards profit rather than actual, what do the educated people think about this? Yeah. What, are the, what are the people that have actually devoted their life to understanding this key issue think? Yeah. That's the opinion I want. Yeah. That's the opinion I want in government. That's the opinion I want to affect change. And yes, it's going to change. That's the other thing with fucking science is it changes. People, they get stuck in their ways. They yeah. say, oh, well, last year you said, uh, you know, uh, single-use plastics as long as they were cellophane were okay. And now this year they're not. Well, yeah, science kind of changed that. We looked into it and it's not good. Yep. You know, like, yeah, that's science. Well, it, 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 oh, oh, this, oh, that's almost about? like learning is slow and yeah, and not just absolute. Yeah, but, it's like but, your people didn't get yeah. the votes. Well, no, I mean, your people still have the science and education behind them. And those are the people you should be looking towards yeah. uh, to solve your issues rather than these guys that started a business for $500 or inherited it and didn't you have to spend that. And they're controlling the marketing and the media and everything else. And you then they're know, showing up at KV Capital's rallies, paying eh, 250 eh. bucks a meal, and then telling, you know, the, these prospective uh, uh, potential mayors are that what they want that is so disconnected from what the people want, the people who are voting them in, the actual people who are doing the work. Yeah. And that's the problem. Like, there's no representation within it. And that's one of the reasons why I really liked your approach um and just your like dbc they only did a small blurb on everybody but i thought that their blurb on you was actually pretty pretty flattering in terms of yeah. the points that they made right their blurb good. on me was word for word off of my web page nice no one in the <laughs> nobody in the in the mainstream uh, local media has asked me one question about my candidacy really well we'll make you sure know, like, we send so, this so, to edmonton journal and all of the at, locals and it's uh uh, it's interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I appreciate that I can just write whatever I want and they'll publish it. That's <laughs> nice. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, should have just been like, Brian has a godlike yeah. physique yeah. and uh, <laughs> rides a velociraptor to work every day, you saving know? on fuel. But th- there's things I haven't written that they, that they should know about. Like, I think, I'm pretty sure I'm the oldest candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that, uh, I've made less money than anyone else in my lifetime, even though as I've lived longer, I've made less money than any of the other candidates. I've paid I'll less interest that. than any of the other candidates to banks or yeah. financiers. Mm-hmm. I've probably pay, paid less than $2,000 in my lifetime in interest payments. Mm. That's pretty damn impressive. And, <laughs> and, and, and I'm paying I, a mortgage. I'm like, holy yeah. shit, give me I have that no plan. debts. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, uh, I, I, I'm wealthy enough that I can uh, r- run for office and not have to worry about about uh, uh, making any income at the moment. Well, it's also, you, you don't have to worry about who's funding your v- election. 
Yeah. You know, like I have to waste any time asking people, hey, uh, do you want to make a donation? And it's like, yeah. well, I'll make a donation if. It's a really good cause, you know, it'd be yeah. good for you if you vote for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that whole thing. Like, if we had, if we had our <laughs> national media actually going, okay, well, all all political candidates, and if you're registered, your advertising is covered, mm-hmm. right? And then you make it equal ab- amongst them all. And then if they want to go with those sideways and play Facebook campaigns and do whatever, by all means, let, like that's that's that big money that I think right now is uncontrollable. <laughs> like, I don't know that you could actually regulate that, but just by getting a group like the CBC. The fact that they would do an actual interview with someone like Mike Nickel, but then wouldn't even reach out, but they just pull stuff off your website, that's that's BS, and it needs to be equal. It needs to be equal mm-hmm. footing across the board. And I don't mean that you need to give, you know, the ex- like, I don't want to open the door to, you know, the neo-Nazi candidate uh, uh, in Calgary there. It's, but, a, hard oh, question. it's a hard question. Like, what, when does a fringe candidate be allowed to have a voice, and when shouldn't they be allowed to have a voice? Like, yeah. It's, it's very difficult. Like, well, you know, if I was preaching so neo-Nazism, should I be should I be uh, censored? Or if I'm I'm, pre- I'm preaching getting money out of politics, should I be censored like I was by KVP? Mm-hmm. See, or, you know what's K- funny is the neo-fascist got more press coverage than anybody else out of Calgary there with Kevin Johnston. Yeah, he, like, oh, I know, right? He got more coverage than anything because he's an extreme, and we talked about that earlier. That clickbait bullshit, where where if you're getting clicks, you're getting paid. I know. I really have to try to control my urge to to try to do something spectacular that will get, get bring attention to myself. Yeah, right. You know, uh, I, I wanted if I I mean I want to do that, but I want to do it in good taste. Yes. Yeah, you know, I get that. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And I think that that's important too to to balance that because the one thing that I think that that's something that you're quite thoughtful on where I don't think other like when we were reading the blurbs, we were kind of just reading between the lines, right? Because like you said, it was what you put on your website and so I'm yeah, we kind of figured that that was what everybody had done that it was like their blurb that they had written up about themselves and so you can read between the lines because they're like oh you know they were they worked for this company this company this company and they care about uh you know building a vibrant downtown core to me that means we're going to use taxpayer dollars to fund development that is going to be funneled into billionaire businesses downtown and that is it right right but we read between the lines while we're doing it and (laughs) the problem is is that a journalist can do that. A good journalist can do that easily. And then they can do their write-ups and they can be honest about everything, right? They're saying pro-business, this, that, and the other thing. Here's how their policies would actually work out, right? And just be honest about it. But they're not. They're 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 like, how much are you going to pay me to just print what you wrote, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's the the part, the, the other side of it where it's indirect. It's almost like a, a apathy that, that gets paid off. Oh, we'll pay you to just to not say it, right? Yeah. And to 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 for a little bit of a uh like a, an out for for the local media yep uh they're starving for funds mm-hmm. and so they they don't have enough staff to 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 properly report on yeah. on, the, really? on the candidates yeah they're just like i i think they're maybe like the Edmonton journal for instance i think that maybe they have like one tenth or one twentieth of the staff they did like ten years ago Oh, the reporters, wow. yeah, I had no idea. Like, like you guys are sort of like reporters, like, but you're like a volunteers, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah like we we do <laughs> this, we do this because we enjoy it. Like, yeah, we, like really, I, it was like Evan and I would sit down at the car, yeah, like the car yeah, dealership, yeah. And, so Tristan, and we would debate. Tristan, <laughs> Tristan came in and he's like, "I have a law degree and a reference from a guy that runs a Kia store." 
and I was sitting down, you know, with you. And, uh, you know, Corey, the guy that was supposed to hire you, was just like, oh, go talk to this guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I sat down. I was like, I got a law degree. And I'm like, why aren't you in law? And then we had like a really cool discussion. I was like, you're hired. Start tomorrow. And then uh, I remember going to Corey and he was like, so you hired him? I was like, yeah. And then like that, uh, the first week I was just like, you, you kept your like cards kind of close to your chest. Well, I was nervous. Yeah, yeah. Didn't really know. <laughs> like, you got into a pretty right wing business, yeah. right? And, you know, I kind of like pulled it out of him over conversations because I, I, I'm a hands on manager right I, I care about the people that uh, that i work with uh, well, you didn't I, last very long well uh, oh, no <laughs> i you I, care <laughs> well I, it wasn't so much that it was very more true. The, the, the the pay changes they tried to push well, on me yeah and just uh, just the fact that i wanted to just stop working uh you know for somebody uh, work for myself you know i just yeah. i saw the opportunity and opened a business right before covid derp uh but uh, it, it worked out uh it's, it's been all right but yeah just just uh, it just sitting with you and just having those conversations, I was like, "Well, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta have a podcast." And then, yeah. like, a few of the other guys would listen in. They'd be like, "Yeah, you guys should." And yeah. just through COVID, just having the ability to talk to nobody and yeah. you know, isolated in that, you know, following the you know doctor recommended guidelines, not creating my own fucking wingnut ones with my lack of medical education. You know, I'm at home sitting around, and I'm like, "Well, we we, we should we should fire this up, yeah. right?" So. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a business. I said, okay, well, this is the business. This is, we all wear masks. We do this right. We keep it six feet apart. Like we, we did everything we could to keep it, you know, healthy and safe. But yep. it's that communication uh, that created uh, kind of this whole ideology of, yeah, if you have a right wing opinion and a left wing opinion, there is a middle ground. 100%. Right? There is that gooch. There is yeah. that understanding, <laughs> that, right? The bridge there, right? And that's, yeah. that's what we wanted to build because it was so, we both were tired of the fact that. Like, if you say you're right wing, which I know you do with pride, mm -hmm. but it's associated with specific, very small ideologies, yeah. not I'm going to go and put on my all white outfit with, uh, <laughs> with a pointed oh, gown. Yeah. That's not and, a good kind. Which is, which is another association with right. Or yeah. I love the billionaires and we're going to go into, you know, uh, no. uh, $500 a plate uh, kind of like that. No. Those are all associated and left, left wing too. Like immediately, oh, you're in the car business and you're anti-oil. Why? Because I'm from BC and I'm on the left. Do you think I'm ant I'm pro reality? I know oil is used in the production of a lot of useful things. Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to use it in single use plastics when we just decriminal or when we just legalized marijuana. One of the the like hemp fibers being one of the uh, best things that you can do, most recyclable, easiest to produce. Yeah. You can make hemp-based plastics. Yep. Canada doesn't have an industry for this, but they have a huge demand for it because we got rid of single use plastics. Tim Hortons alone, though, I like if you if you drink. Uh, an ice cap this summer from Tim Hortons and you don't hate that paper straw, I don't know who you are. But so there, there's a demand definitely there would be a market for for recyclable single-use plastics. There's a reason why that single-use plastics were used forever. Hemp would be a great way of doing that and you could socialize that system. You can create jobs. You can create all of that. But further to all of that, you can also create a recycling industry and be proud of recycling. I think that's one of the things that that I would love to see. Again, you, you, you've talked about how it's the civic level, we can't really do a lot, but provincial and federal level, I would love to see some pressure put on big oil to build and, and, uh, and start operating recycling uh, facilities for the products that they produce or that they're mm -hmm. that they they profit off of the yeah. production of right well the thing that really irks me about oil and gas is the fact that kenny gave i think over his two three years at office 
4.6 billion? About, yeah, $4.6 billion between the Keystone pipelines, you know, subsidies, government help, whatever. Buying all, a refinery? Yeah, to all his uh, oil and gas buddies. Keystone failed. That money went nowhere. You know, all these other pipelines are failing. That money just went nowhere. Where did that money go? Like it's That's what I want to know. Like <laughs> Where who, the fuck did that who money go? got that money? And how good of friends are they with our premier? Yeah. 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 you know, like, it, like that money didn't disappear. No, no. Oh, I and, think the Alberta and, Gaming Commission got some of it to hand out those lottery tickets for people getting a vaccine and doing their fucking job. Oh, <laughs> but you know what else is is that why why have we never has it never been disclosed who funded Mister Kenny's like run for the leadership? Yeah, mm. like like why do we not know who 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 uh, bankrolled that whole thing? Well, yeah, uh, and. And are they the same people that, that like, when he gave the four point three billion dollar tax cut? Mm-hmm. Were any of the people that that uh, I, I that funded him? You. Were they were were they did they profit from that from that tax cut? Yeah, I wonder. Well, there's a there's a, a old Rob, there's an old Robin Williams movie where he was uh, he was pretty much playing the role of John Stewart on the old Daily Show. And, oh, I uh, that guy. and I can't remember, I think it was called The Candidate or something like that. And basically, um, uh, Robin uh, throws his hat in the ring as this as this like day uh, nighttime talk show comedian. And he decides he's he's going to. Oh, then the computer fucks up and he becomes like pres- prime minister or something. Or yeah, right? I think it was the actual president of yeah, the yeah, United yeah, yeah. States. Yeah. But but one of the things that he said what he what and robin williams actually incorporated this into his own stand up routine it was, it was like one of the rules of politicians from all of our debates he's like i'm going to make it a presidential decree a decree you're walking in there like a fucking nascar driver everybody who's paid for you you got a patch on your jacket yep. and we're going to yeah, see no exactly kidding. who has contributed towards you yeah. and i loved that idea maybe yeah. not on a jacket i don't know but make make you know 10 cent hour an hour workers in china probably stitching those jackets together wouldn't look too good yeah. but but you know having a banner up of all of the sponsors this is these are the people who are paying for these opinions yeah. Yeah. right i would love to know that and a lot of it in edmonton will be the police union yeah. because like we talked about the uh, one third of the budget uh, a lot of the time more but uh, or or up to uh, one third of the budget goes mm-hmm. towards policing and we know that like we've talked about this on the podcast before policing in canada in general is incredibly ineffective uh, and inefficient uh, like you're, if you if you're the victim of a violent crime, you're lucky uh, if you live in a uh, an area where the police have over a twenty three percent chance of solving it. If you have if you're a victim of a nonviolent crime, you're very lucky if uh, they have uh, if you live in a place where they have over a fifty percent chance of of solving it. Yep. And you've got you know Alberta Alberta police, more specifically Calgary, associated with Starlight Tours, where they pick up minorities, beat the shit out of them, and then drop them off at abandoned construction sites, and mm-hmm. like these are, these are well documented, well known. It happens on a regular basis, and these are the people who are funding all of this. And I I would applaud your like I applaud the idea of pulling budget out of there but even the media works against it like two years ago uh, or i uh, sorry a year and a half ago in the wake of the george floyd incident um i remember the edmonton journal published about the police budget and there was a lot of conversation about making cuts and so the edmonton journal uh uh ran a headline that said uh police edmonton police budget cut by 10 million dollars for the next year and it wasn't what happened was is there was a $78 million mm-hmm. increase that was going to be added to their budget and it was only a, and that increase got cut by 10 million. 
So they actually didn't have a cut. They had a $68 million increase. <laughs> I remember you talking about that. Yeah. And it was just, it's marketing. So that's not news anymore. That's negligence because now the voters don't know what they're voting for. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem is that negligence law is not, people don't know, not enough people are, are empowered uh, legally or, or knowledgeable enough legally to use the, the weapon that is negligence law. Because negligence law can can uh, sp- spread about a, 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 um, a large amount of time. It can go between different degrees of separation between people. It all depends on logical connections. One of the few legal components that you can use to fight against powerful people and uh, and negligently developed strategies by major corporations and major governments, and it's just not used, and it's mm-hmm. not used at all, let alone effectively. Like, it, it it's... And I would love to see, I would love to see something like that happen because to me that's a lot of collusion that's happening there too. Because the police union has a has a direct interest in wanting to look like their budget is getting cut so that they don't have any more attacks on them. They want that ten million dollar cut headline to run. They benefit off of it because people are going to go, oh, we we've succeeded, we won then, right? But you didn't win. You didn't win shit. You needed to cut a hundred plus million from that if you wanted to even touch it, because that's that's actually going into their budget and not just into their increase, yeah. right? So I don't know. Yeah, I find- it's a divisive subject. Like, uh, like I don't know if you guys noticed, but on my platform, like about halfway through, I have fourteen points on there, but I have a point of freezing the police budget, mm-hmm. and I on purpose didn't talk about defunding the police because I feel like. Like as soon as you start talking about defunding the police, yeah. you create a division in 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 the community. Yeah, because there are people in our community that have been victims of crime that freak out yeah. if you're going to cut the police budget because they want to be protected, they want to feel safe. Mm. Then there's a whole another community, racialized people, uh, you know, the BIPOC community, and and the poor people. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's it's a it's a crossover. Like lots of poor people are racialized as well, you know, yeah, and women. Sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, they are quite happy to to see a cut in the police budget because they feel threatened by the police. They feel like they, they've been used, abused by by police, and and we have to realize that that there's some bad apples in the police force, and at the end of their shift, uh, they're they they've lost their patience and they're mean and they. Uh, they they use more force than they have to, and and the p- people being arrested or they they know that more force is being used. Yeah, and they and those people they hold that resentment that they've been abused by police for years, and it builds up, and that that's and that comes back on the police uh, w- when you have have crim- criminals attacking the police because they they have been they're they're striking back because they've been treated unfairly. Yeah. So anyway, I am purposely like. I, I don't. I don't want people to get divided, and 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 then they stop talking. Yeah. I want people to talk about. Okay, we all want to feel safe, you know, and so we've got to look at the things that that are going to help make our community safer, which are like investing. I say this when I talk about defund the police and invest in services uh, to help with the mental health issues. Yeah. And with the, with the uh, substance abuse issues, yeah. like we need to invest in services to deal with that, uh, and then and then of then we can back off on the police budget. 
Yeah. You know, well, I think we also yeah. got to look at who they're hiring. I mean, that's that's the other issue is any career that especially women want to get into, you know, you have to have at least a four-year degree, you got to have that piece of paper from your university, and then you got to work in a system like my wife, you know, uh, where the provincial government's trying to nickel and dime you every chance they get because probably one of Kenny's backers is private schools, just guessing. Uh, but, you know, given the fact that he's chopping the nurse budget right after a pandemic and now his scopes on the teachers, I assume that he wants to privatize both those things. And obviously, I don't want to become America up here. Yeah. You know, as right wing as I say I am, I think certain things should just be on the level for everybody. Yeah. Uh, like legal representation, utilities, education, health care, just to start. I mean, that's that's kind of a base. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah. that's yeah. another good one as well. And, you know. Uh, the, the other kind of question I have is uh, we have all these property moguls in Edmonton that have just been dividing, carving up, closing this city and building these ultra wealthy investment properties where these guys come in and they buy them up. No one lives there. They're owned by investment firms, Chinese people and the super wealthy that actually live there. And it's not helping out people like even me, or I'm like, oh, cool, a building go up downtown. How much is it going to be a month to live in? 20 grand. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> <it's>, uh, <laughs> uh, who can afford this? Like, it's not, it's not the working that, class. But that's also those, the, the other th- thing, too, is those policies are hidden mm-hmm. under revitalizing the downtown core. Yeah, and right? that's that's kind Building of my question. Building a billionaire luxury layaway. Yeah, like, that's, that's what it, it's. That, that's kind of my question. Like a whole bunch of taxpayer dollars went into uh, completely build or partly build uh, Rogers Place for Daryl Cates. He gets commission on every show that gets in there, every drink that's sold, every Oilers ticket. And there's no like I pay taxes for that building. I have to pay the same price as a guy from Saskatchewan going to see any of that shit. Any Oilers game, like there's it's, no there's no discount, right? <laughs> it's it it produces nothing. Mm-hmm. All it does is extract money from from Edmontonians and and give it to a to a billionaire. Yeah, that's yeah. all. Needs- it's it's a bit. It extracts a lot of money. Yeah, like yeah. every time you you have to buy a like. I've ask- actually pledged. Yeah, I'm never setting foot in that. In, in that facility. I never have, and I never will. Yeah, I think I blew Until, these guys' mind last week when we chatted about how that was funded. Maybe you could go into a little depth about how they built and got the money to build Roger's Place. Well, I'm not sure exactly of all the details, but mm. I do know this, that Stephen Mandel, who was, I, th- I think he was the mayor when they first started doing that, he was going around it, and talking about how he was going to help the homeless and everything and this and that, and then they ended up built, building a, a big, a great big hockey rink, and uh, uh, the the people, homeless people, still haven't been taken care of. So I'm not going to go in there until we have got like a, like the kind of uh, uh, situation like they have in Medicine Hat, where they've yeah. actually eliminated homelessness. Well, I thought mm-hmm. the most ironic thing through all of this for a year and a half, the the weirdest subsidy I've seen was to hotels. Literally, the issue that would like the the open door that would would say, "Hey, how do we solve homelessness?" I don't know. Uh, rooms that don't have kitchen utensils that they can cook drugs on, and that are uh, have locks that are easy to access, that have cleaning people that go to, that are all equipped with bathroom facilities. They have a central food zone in there. If you're paying subsidies, I the the idea of government money. The biggest problem I have with government is they, they they don't see 
money they spend when it comes to big business as an investment, like all big business does. And they need to see that. We shouldn't bail out GM. We should have bought a, a, a stake in it. Right. And and in that sense, I would be much, much more happy with that. And I think that if we were to do something like that, oh, we're not subsidizing the hotels. We're going to buy we're, a share in the hotel. We're buying a share in this, in this here. And we now have controlling. Uh, we, we're we're going to you're going to get this money, but we have 51 percent. So we get the controlling say over how we're going to operate it. First, uh, first four floors, they're homeless people. Right. You're sharing it. Right, mm-hmm. and you can use a separate uh, elevator if you want to. Doesn't really matter. The security is going to be covered through our subsidies that we're providing, and uh, and the bloated food costs at hotels will cover the the other meals that aren't being paid for. Right, so like there's ways of socializing those bu- those businesses. If they don't have uh, a functioning way to profit, then they're not a profitable business. We don't need to give them money to learn how to profit. Mm. That's insane. <laughs> if we're going to give somebody money to learn how to profit, I'd rather give it to someone who doesn't have money rather than someone who's had money but then fucked, uh, fucked it over I like because that. they didn't learn yeah. their lessons. Yeah. No, that's why I'm saying let it fail, right? Yeah, always. Yeah, let it fail. That's... That was our first podcast, and it was one where I think I blew them, Evan's yeah. mind because he never thought someone on the left would be down with watching it fail. But to me, the people that I'm watching fail are, are the people who have had enough chances, yeah. like the millionaires, billionaires, people that are quite a bit older than us that have also been politically working to keep our minimum wage down politically working to make sure that i need i have nine years post-secondary and i've said this before i've never worked for someone that was more educated than me it's never happened before and i don't think it ever will happen i hope it does i would love to work for someone that that i can actually speak to on an intellectual level and appreciates what i've learned yeah. right but like even the business i work in now i have more knowledge and, and experience in almost every aspect of the business and uh none of that is is seen as an authority i it doesn't matter. It's just seen as an opinion. What do you work uh, retail management. So not a fun business, but yeah, it's uh, that kind of, I feel like is a representative of the job market available right now in Edmonton. Unfortunately. Especially the millennials, man. Like, yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things to like about it. I love serving. Like, I like actually customer service to a degree because you get to help people. It's a direct way. It's super small. So I have to rest my hat on a real small uh, shelf there at the end of the day. But I get to know that I'm helping people because I have knowledge in the area that I'm working in. So I'm I'm like, on in in the in that one respect, it's okay. But for the most part, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty almost. I don't even want to say embarrassing, but it's it's frustrating to say the least to think that I've been sold this ticket to a better life. And uh, once I once I got to look behind Oz's curtain, I realized that that better life was bullshit right it wasn't a better life it was harder work it was more hours it was more strain and more stress it wasn't a better life for me it was a more financially suitable life for for the system and i don't i don't care about money in that respect i don't like money is relative right you could have a hundred million dollars but if if you're or a hundred million bought let's say and that's a really really good amount of money to have in thailand i think i'm getting the currency right bought yeah no sounds yeah but but you you leave Thailand and all of a sudden you know you go to let's say the Swiss Alps that money no longer is buying you anything remotely close to what you were having before. Oh, they'll happily put it in their bank there in Switzerland. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they will. And yeah. Right next to the Vatican gold and uh, the Nazi gold. Yeah. But uh, it, it was a question uh, kind of like uh, I just kind of want to start wrapping this up. I mean, like if you had yeah. if you kind of had a closing statement, yeah, a long one, you know, for the for the you know voters of Edmonton. I mean, I know Edmonton we have. Haven't had really the highest voter turnout 
And I think a lot of that ties into a lot of these issues we've kind of brought up today. Yeah, people not feeling represented, yeah, feeling apathetic. Yeah. If you had, if you had like a closing argument, closing statement uh, for anybody listening, what would that be there? Okay, well, here's a fun fun fact: like the last civic election, voter turnout was thirty two percent. No, oh, uh, that's awful. So, uh, I'll give you my version of Trump's wall. Like Trump's wall is a fantastic idea uh, that got a lot of people arguing about whether it was good or bad or right or wrong and brought a lot of attention to himself. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So I, I'm going to put forth an idea that for the same thing. It's a fantastic idea. People are going to argue about it and it's going to bring a lot of attention to me, I hope. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm doing it. But so I'm an entirely different kind of person than Mr. Trump. Yep. But nevertheless, I still respect his, his ability to... to uh, I'll make a spectacle. Yeah. Uh, and uh, uh, so my idea is to bring in, uh, to pledge to the voters of Edmonton that if I'm elected as mayor, I will push city council to bring in a voter incentive program in. Mm-hmm. And like in Australia, they fine people if they don't vote. Oh, I like that. At, oh, I really like that. At, but but I, I want to reward people when they vote. Yeah. So the way I want it to work is like you go to, the, to uh, mark your ballot you stick it in the ballot box, and then an agent of the returning officer hands you a thousand dollars cash. Nice. Whoa. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I also want to push uh, push uh, city council to push the federal government to fund this program uh, by taxing the rich yeah. uh, by bringing in by bringing in a, a you know like a, okay. a tax on the point zero one percent. Yep. And uh, so this this will accomplish three really important things. Mm-hmm. Number one, instead of having thirty two percent turnout, we'll have ninety nine percent turnout. Oh, easily, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just by that okay. virtue alone, that's thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll leave work for a thousand dollars. No, you can't leave. You know, making a G boy. Yeah. Number two, a lot of those people are going to become way more engaged in in their in their election politics yep. because uh, just like anybody else, I say, oh, I'm going to I'm going to vote for sure, but who should I vote for? I wonder. Yeah. Let's check this person out. Let's check that person out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do they believe in? What do they say? What's their record? Can I trust this person? What? Way more people are going to become engaged instead of like uh, whatever else they're doing right now. They're going to take some a more interest in in a very important thing is choosing our government, our yeah. representatives. The third thing that's going to do is it's going to. We all know that there's a big wealth gap in society, and it's not healthy. This is going to make a transfer of wealth from from the very top out to almost everyone, yeah. like all, start, all, the, yeah. all the voters. Yeah. So yeah. that's my wall. I like that uh, wall. Voter incentive pro- program VIP. Yeah. Nice. And nice. Uh, um, I don't know how I'm going to get any coverage. Like, I, I'm waiting till somebody asks me questions. Like I really appreciate you asking me that. Yeah. Question and I appreciate you being here. Yeah. I, I could. Uh, I could tell you about that, but that's that's my version of the wall. I, I wow. think not only is I think is it a way of bringing attention to what I'm doing, but it's actually going to be good for our democracy. Yeah, I think that we've talked about I, a few times yeah. about like different UBI feasibility programs and like uh, all all sorts of different incentive based things, and that kind of almost marries a lot of them together mm-hmm. in using the tax to fund the incentive program to make it so that more people are voting. That's like it's the trifecta of three things we've been talking about almost as individual. Yeah. And it would absolutely crush big business. You know, because they, 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 they propagate because they, 
the people that vote, well, 30%, you said, yeah. you know, I'm going to say a good majority of them had the means, the time, and, you know, the, the, the willingness to, 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 to cast their ballot. You know, if you make a $1,000 incentive, all of a sudden that guy making minimum wage at McDonald's that can't leave That's a lot of money. the line, yeah. you know, it's like, no, I'm going to take that day off. Businesses, you probably will have to yeah. just yeah. operate close yeah. that day. Or the, or the single mom living yeah. in the basement suite, yeah. she can afford a babysitter now and yeah. a taxi. To yeah. go to the poll and make her vote. Hundred yeah, exactly. percent. You know, it's yeah, uh, that's, 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 really that's nice. a good that's a good idea. And uh, you know, even if you don't scale it, like if someone's making six, uh, you know, six figures, you still like a thousand bucks is a lot of money for everybody, except yeah. these wealthy elite. Well, they're, even, not, like, they're not even going to notice that money coming out either, right? Yeah. Like if we yeah. if we tax them, like here's the thing: like you were saying the other day, you could tax these guys a million dollars an hour, yeah, and they the amount of money notice. that they create <laughs> out of that opportunity would make them even more wealthy. Yep. You know, it's, it, 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 I think that's a beautiful idea. Uh, I see you brought a, I think that's a guitar, uh, Adam. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, the yeah. man brought a guitar in. Yeah. Like, you got to play us oh, out. You got to play yeah. us out here, yeah. Okay. They're rolling their eyes in their minds. Listen to the banjos. They're rolling their eyes in their minds. I can feel it in my guts. I know they think I'm nuts. They're rolling their eyes in their minds. And the voters of Edmonton are rolling their eyes in their awesome minds. <laughs> well, thanks for stopping by this Friday. Hope you guys have a good weekend. Yeah, and uh, you get the chance to go out there. Thank you very much, Brian, for joining us this week. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. And remember, when you get the chance to vote, guys, go out there, read about the candidates, and vote. And uh, if you like Brian Breezy Greg like we do, uh, <laughs> make sure you put a check mark next to his name. Absolutely. Yeah, and actually, th there's another verse for that song. Oh. We're voting with love in our hearts. Nice. And it goes like that. <laughs> love it. Awesome, guys. We'll have a lovely weekend. And uh, do as he says. Vote with love in your hearts, guys. 